0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the After Hours Lounge. Welcome back if you are a regular listener. My name is Sandy, and I am your host. And I'm very excited about my guest this week. I've been trying to get him on for quite a while. He is Harrison Ward, A.K.A. the Fell Foodie. Um, Harrison is a wellness speaker, outdoorsman, and just an all-round legend. Um, I've been following him for a little while. And he's just he's just one of those people on social media you wanna you wanna get to know um he's very honest about his his struggles in the past with you know mental mental health issues um it's very wholesome watching him sit in a beautiful spot in the Lake District cooking up some some delicious food you know as we discussed at the start of the episode there is something ancestral um something tangible about watching someone cook something with sort of fresh produce outside that's just very wholesome and and quite nice to watch and and be a part of generally of course we all love food Um, so yeah it's been it's been great to follow Harrison and it's been great to be able to have this conversation with him Um, we discussed his his past I mean I will perhaps put a bit of a trigger warning Uh, we talked quite quite in depth um, about his sort of struggles with alcohol his alcohol addiction um, and, you know, struggling with clinical depression and essentially using alcohol to treat that um, as, a, as a kind of mask. I mean, it, it's it's a tale as old as time, sadly, and it's it's something that may be all too familiar for, for some people listening. Um, but as I've always said, you know, the whole idea of this podcast is to ensure these conversations about things that people may have find difficult to listen to. It's important that we talk about this stuff. Um, so, you know, a huge thanks to, to Harrison for being so open about that stuff. And, you know, as he said, he, he's super honest and an open book about it anyway. And that's what he's, he's kind of all about. Um, so yeah, we, we talked about that a lot. We talked about his, his struggles, you know, of, of, you know, from, from his teenage years of feeling like a burden, uh, you know, and being depressed and keeping those thoughts inside and how negative that actually is. And, and we talked later on about why men do that and why we shouldn't be doing that. And actually, you know, it's, it's not manly to keep your, feelings in and you're not a burden and people want you know people do want you there so it's so important to to talk about what's going on in your head and we talked about the positive effects that that has actually had on our respective friendship groups as well um of course we got into then you know him finding hiking and the gym and and what the effect of him improving his physical health then went on to have on his mental health um, of course, then, you know, lockdown perhaps got in the way of that slightly, but equally, you know, he found himself with these new opportunities with, with the Fell Foodie and what he's gone on to create now and essentially, you know, as a, a run, running his own business and, you know, a freelancer and, and working in the kind of media space and working with all these amazing brands and being on TV with Mary Berry. And of course, that led to a little bit of imposter syndrome, which we also touched on as well and, and kind of dealing with that and, you know, seeking that validation of deserving a seat at the table and where that comes from and actually you know, for for me, I've always, it, it has to come from within, you know, because it's so rare that you'll get someone telling you to your face that you deserve to be somewhere. So actually convincing yourself that you deserve to be there and recognising that you're there for that reason anyway, uh, is is hugely beneficial. Um, so we, we got into an awful lot of stuff in this episode. There's a lot of value in here. Um, and it's just a good, good fun. Harrison's a da- a, a, such a down to earth guy, uh, and just a great man to talk to, you know, a classic northerner. Um, so that was an awful impression I shouldn't have done that I'm sorry to anyone listening who did that uh, who heard that but yeah a great conversation um, and I'm talking far too much let's hear from Harrison himself enjoy the episode harrison the fell foodie we finally made it happen uh, welcome to the after hours lounge thank you very much for being here mate
1: thank you for having me sandy
0: yeah it's a pleasure we, we were just saying it's it's been we've been we've been trying to connect and get this get this going for, for a little while now but you're a busy man mate you're a busy man um how how well first of all how how does it feel how are you doing at the moment and then we'll get into how all of this started
1: i'm doing okay thank you yes i've got, I've got plenty on at the moment i mean um I suppose maybe could be could be busy, but maybe I'm just really bad at juggling my schedules to be fair. So uh, it's nice to get this fight over the line and finally on for recording. But yeah, plenty on plenty of exciting things, traveling sort of length and breadth of the country, you know, sharing my passions that we're doing now and uh, just putting together the final stages of my, my debut cookbook. So it's been quite an exciting few months, but great to chat to you on this now.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Um I mean, and, and as well, we were just saying before we hit record, I like to try to do a bit of research, but I don't like to do too much. So obviously I was on the website getting your bio and everything like that, but I appreciate, you know, a lot of the people listening perhaps haven't done that. Maybe they're not familiar with you. So um, let's go back to the start. Don't, don't need to go into to too much detail. I'm sure it's a story you've told a million times before. Um, but how did, how did all this start? This, uh, this sort of, yeah. who Who is the fell foodie and, and where did he come from essentially?
1: That's probably a good start, isn't it? Yeah, to say who I am, but it's, um, yeah, so, so Harrison Ward, um, or the Felt Foodie as I'm better known these days, is basically a, a pseudonym I came up with uh, for this new passion I've got of basically cooking in the mountains in where I live in the Lake District. So I'm originally from this area of Cumbria, but it wasn't really until a major life change that I started to really appreciate what was on my doorstep. I'd, I'd always loved cooking and following this new sort of journey into sort of hiking and getting to know the mountains. It wasn't long before that passion came with this new passion for sort of walking and being outdoors so basically i started to try and recreate things i was doing in the kitchen up on the mountaintops with a little camping stove and various pots and pans out there and i uh, shared it all anonymously on social media and it seems to do okay so these days not so anonymous and uh, these days sort of sharing the
0: passions uh, <laughs> on platforms like this and further afield that's immense what do you, what do you attribute it to what because it's 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 quite a unique mix isn't it you know do you, part of me wonders if it's if it just sort of there's something within us, within our DNA, you know, that the caveman in all of us, that there's there's something so soothing about watching a kind of meal being cooked on some, you know, slate stones put together outside and things. There's something kind of extremely wholesome about it that you it, it it's really hard to, you know, there's something tangible about it that I think strikes something within all of us. Obviously, let's face it, we all love food. Um but you know, watching someone make it in a posh new kitchen, you don't quite get that same sort of vibe as you do watching you, you know, up a up a hill on a blustery day in the lake district, you know, cooking cooking something up. Um I mean, if anyone has any insight into it, I guess it's you, you know, or, or are you still looking for the secret as to why it's resonated so much?
2: Well, well,
1: maybe so. I think you touched a little bit upon it there in terms of <laughs> ancestral homage, if you will, in terms of how we used to cook outdoors. You know, and for me, it's basically a passion that I've had from a young age of cooking. I'm not I'm not trained as a chef in any way, way or form, but I've always loved, love my food, not like to sort of skimp on sort I of mean, fast food bits or any bit sort of processed from the shop. So when I started going out into the hills hiking, originally I was sort of creating things the night before to take with me. So quite extravagant packed lunches, if you will. <laughs> There's often be quite a few comments from peers I was with or people passing by, you know, if sort of their the sandwiches all squashed in the bottom of their bag and various bits while what I was eating and with almost looks of envy if you will and uh and one person said to get a stove and actually start cooking out there from scratch so that's where it all started that's what I did I dubbed myself the fell foodie and then um began trying to see really how much uh initially equipment I could carry from my kitchen in my rucksack of up the fell top because I hadn't had none of the purpose built stuff back then so I was just taking ceramics and proper sort of your copper pot pans and uh, ceramic plates and all sorts. It was a, uh, yeah, the, the the satire wasn't lost on me. That's for sure. um But just seemed something that really felt quite a unique experience being out there. I didn't intend for it to become that way. I didn't look for a niche and try and get into that. It was just me sharing the journey I was going on, and then sharing the dishes I was preparing originally at home, but then all of a sudden in the mountains. So basically, I just didn't want to annoy my Facebook friends with pictures of my dinner. I didn't want to become that guy. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that guy don't we we all
0: do know that guy um maybe it's me now i don't know maybe i've turned into that one <laughs> well i mean that that leads that leads me on to um i suppose the next question and you you have basically just answered it yourself you didn't you didn't really intend on it you know becoming what it was and this is something i've found with a lot of people i've spoken to that have ended up turning their their passions or you know something that they love doing into essentially a career is it it, it was never a calculated decision at the start it was never a you know, I'm I'm going to go in and do this. Perhaps there was a slight bit of ambition in the back of the head of, oh, I'd love it if this became something. But there there, there wasn't, as you said, you weren't deliberately going, oh, there's there's a niche here and this is what I'm going to do and I'm eventually going to have a cookbook and you know tens of thousands of followers on socials and stuff. You know, uh, I suppose talk talk me through that a little bit. You know, at the start and and how the mindset was and and what you were what you were kind of thinking or or were you not thinking? You were just going, do you know what I, I enjoy this and I'm just going to do it.
1: I think that certainly the the early years. Of it was very much a, a sort of unintentional path that I, that, I, that I found myself on. So it literally was just that anonymous sharings and ramblings, really, of what I was going through in my personal sort of story that I'm sure we'll come on to in a moment. In, and almost treating it a bit like an online journal. So I was sharing really things very open and honest there, anonymously, about this journey into sort of mountains I've gone on, sort of the hills I was experiencing, the views I'd taken in, and then originally that sort of food aspect. So. At that point, there. I mean, I'd never used Instagram before at the time. I mean, I was a bit sort of a bit of a bit of a dad in those sorts things. I think mean, the way I was using hashtags and stuff—it's it's it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a big surprise to me. I ended up where I am, I guess. But it's um one of those that just became quite a natural sort of journey. Met some great peers, and I moved to the area where I'm in now um, about the sort of same time. So I didn't know particularly a lot of people here. i I'm just from a bit further north of the Lake District originally, but I had been living in York for for seven years. So moving back here it was quite new on that it was a new hobby but it allowed me to meet sort of like-minded people through this sort of platform you know being the sort of the aspect of social media but in sort of the flesh world as well as the digital world and and it just sort of snowballed from there so again I think sharing sort of things on there honestly led into a few opportunities to talk about it further um in some local media initially which then spiraled into some you know various bits of podcasts into some national sort of outdoor magazines, mm. and then before I do it, I was I was sort of tumbling away with following wise and being asked to go and attend and sort of do my practice on the television. So it's literally been a, a very bizarre journey that sort of put forced me into a corner at one point. Um, where January last year, I decided that I was going to try and make a go with this and see if I could actually turn this this passion into a career. And it's uh, <laughs> it's proving one that um, I'm surviving so far. I mean. It's difficult to explain what I actually do, I think is the hardest point, because I'm just kind of me. But I yeah. share sort of my sales, I share my passions for cooking, various sort of um brand bits in there, corporate talking, school talks. And, and yeah, hopefully just trying to inspire and motivate people um on various different journeys into the outdoors via through food or via sort of being open and honest about their, their personal struggles.
0: Mm. Well let's let's get onto that because that's such a, a huge part of it. I'd love to you know, discuss the the potential imposter syndrome later on but but before we get there let's get on to the, the the sort of personal struggles and 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 where that sort of linked up with with um with what you're doing now so I, as I understand essentially you were you were struggling with I suppose you know uh anxiety depression um and from what I gather particularly related to to alcohol can you speak speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was something that really started um, in the early stages of puberty, I think going through that major change, as we do, um, no mass agenda, I guess, but going through that major change, it, all of a sudden I went from being this quite carefree, sort of happy individual, quite sort of extroverted, to all of a being plagued by these, these dark thoughts and, and insecurities and lack of motivation, which at the time was quite out of character, it felt for me, and it was also something at that age, you know, what I was going through. And I think at that time as well, there wasn't really a lot of people to to relate to, I guess, either on the online space or even on the television, talking about these things. We didn't have the internet to the same level as what it is today. Um, And there certainly wasn't that open conversation with people, um, friends and peers. So at the start, I mean, I didn't want to become this, this, this burden, this sort of, you know, lead balloon of sadness on people. I just wanted to try and coast through what I was going through, which really, I suppose, brought on what was to come in the future. I mean, as years had gone on, this had really got to a point where you know, I was, was considering not being here anymore. I, I had a battle with suicidal thoughts, just not really wanting to exist, and just completely self-loathing myself. Really, through through no real um, action of my own, it was just completely almost a, almost a chemical change going through this 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 puberty major hormonal change. Now later down the line, I'd worked most of my sort of uh, teenage years or sort of in the back of house of pubs and various bits. So I'd been in the kitchens again, not doing any cooking at that point, but I suppose watching and learning. Through hmm. this journey, it came to be in terms of things now, but um, waiting on the back there, waiting on some tables, and then at 18, finding myself behind the bar serving serving pints to, to punters and various bits, and that really opened up quite a different life. So, for me, it was someone that opened up the chance to meet a lot of different people, a different sort of social factor. Though I had some good, great friends from school who I've still got today, they're very thankful to still have those in my life through maybe where I got to, but it was a different sort of element i didn't experience before and also in this path i discovered sort of um the alcohol and basically the 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 effects of that i suppose as many do at 18 that rite Mm. of passage especially for blokes like getting out there um basically using it initially as just that lubricant that social lubricant it was but quite quickly the the feeling i got from alcohol became something that i wanted more of it basically silenced that mind that i was that was that was struggling with it silenced those Mm. thoughts it allowed me to be that person i initially was back at the start Mm. Must allow me to escape really day-to-day living for a while. Now, I went to York for university in the end, so I moved across out there. And now in this sort of new city, I guess with people you didn't know, again, you throw into that situation again, like as weeks and various bits, all alcohol fueled events, I mean, everything, isn't it? It's right, right mm. in the passage or sign of bravado too. I was actually a year older than a um, lot of the people that were joining that year. I stayed behind at school for another year. And uh, so already I was quite... Quite seasoned in a way if you were known mm-hmm. as a big drinker that then your know, hollow leg I could put a lot away and and it was something that you know you're almost quite proud of at one point mm-hmm. but quite quickly in this sort of new city um you know people started actually paying more attention to their studies maybe maybe I should have as well at the time but I was very much in this sort of university of life sort of mode I think and mm-hmm. people started going not coming out tonight not doing this and I basically got sick of people not coming out on, on the daily so I just started going out myself all the time and Without really knowing it, before long I, I was starting to drink drink quite heavily every day, solo drinking, meeting people as I went. Found myself back in the hospitality trade as well, and, and was really using this now as, as as a vice, as a means of escape, without really knowing the full effect of what I was doing. But I was coached at this point. I was still battling with my own head. I, I still was struggling with, you know, my own sort of mortality in a way, not wanting to be here. And before I knew it, really, I was I was literally picking up my glass the moment I got up. Um, working in these environments to, to the minute I went to bed and at my worst, I suppose I'd had, you know, i ballooned in weight or put a lot of weight on to about 22 stone. I'd taken up smoking while I was away as well or something I'd not done at all in my childhood. And I was now putting away in excess of sort of 20 pints a day down my neck. It was it was really a life that I slid into um, before I knew it was out of control. And, and if anything, initially it was seen as a bit of a medicinal tool to try and aid mm. my mind it had really just dragged me further and further down and become
0: a more of a poison. Hmm. I think that's, it's, it's such a common thing, especially here in the UK, as you said at the beginning, you know, it is, especially among men, it's viewed as a, an accomplishment and a sense of bravado is, is how much you can drink and how much you can hold it. And how many more shots can you do without being sick and things like that. And then the next morning you're kind of, you're kind of stoked with how shit you feel and things like that. And, you know, it's who, who's a competition of who's got the worst hangover and who drank the most. Um, And it's, it's a difficult one. And then as you said, you know, you just use the word slide, which is perfect. You, you kind of, and and I'm not speaking for personal experience, you know, it's, it's not, um, I count myself lucky. It's, it's not a vice that I I ever particularly had an issue with. I don't really drink anymore, Um, but I've seen it, you know, on, on other people and it, and it, and it is a, even, even for me, you know, I did a lot of seasons abroad and things like that. Didn't go to uni, but a similar situation of it's very common to drink five or six pints in an evening. And then you just sort of go home and go to bed and then you just sort of end, end up questioning it. And it, it is a slide. You don't, you know, it's not it's not like that, and straight away you click click your fingers and you're feeling, you know, like you're like you're at the bottom. You know, it takes it takes a while, but you often don't don't necessarily notice it's happening. And then before you know it, the person you don't necessarily recognise who who's in the mirror, you know? Um yeah it's it, it, it's a really tough one and and especially as i said in in our in our society and culture although I, I do think that is changing slightly um but yeah it's it's so difficult for 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 men in the uk at the uh, to to just get get round and you're it's the only what do they say alcohol is the only the only drug that you're weird for not taking mm, you
1: know? it's, it's the case isn't it it's almost so ingrained in the culture side of things and I think it's important to say I'm not anti-alcohol now in any way. It's very much something that I've come to terms with in my life that's no longer plays a part. But you know, for some, as you say, that don't really maybe have that almost addictive tendency or are not drinking mm-hmm. really on on bad bad foundations. I think it's something that you know it's it plays a part in various bits and there's a fantastic craftsmanship that goes into some of these products too. But unfortunately for me, it was something that was being used um, in unhealthy means and really to sort of. Well, two sides to it, really, because also, I mean, it's something that you look back on and you go, do you regret those years? And it's twofold because maybe, yes, in some elements, you know, the financial side of what I what I spent, you know, the, the money I wasted, various bits down my neck. But then also, that was also keeping me here. I mean, it was kind of without that sort of cat, without that usage, and that escapism. you know, I might not be here talking to you now because there were many moments where I, I was just completely coasting just existing not not wanting to really put my feelings on anybody else but also not really wanting to be here it was kind of almost you were just in stasis just trying to pass through life yeah and and, and be there as, as someone to count but not not for any other means so there is that element to it as well where yes although it was it was a, a long sort of lost period for me it was also one that's allowed me really to be where i am to to now so bittersweet in those those, those bits I suppose. Um, in terms of where i was but yeah i think speaking about it now it's one of those that is certainly something that a lot of people i think do go through in various means even if it's just been drinking a little sort of small amounts but Mm. sometimes yeah as you say it takes that moment of walking past the mirror to then go christ what's happened here
0: Mm. yeah i I think i think it's foolish to look back and you know it it's i feel like it's such an obvious question to ask Or do you regret those times and you know for for, for me, for my own personal experience of essentially having my own kind of, you know, mental breakdown and, and suicidal feelings and stuff in 2018. And, and and that was that was down to um uh, a kind of lifestyle and a career choice that that I made and things like that. And people say, do you regret it now? And I say, no, because it, it's one of the it's such a shame to say. But sometimes you kind of need you need to hit the bottom. You do. You need to get to that point before you before you go, right, some, something needs to change. Um, you know, I was I was actually just just before we jumped on, I was watching something really interesting um, and it was the the beta oh, rubbish, the beta something paradox where it's like, actually, if something is just fine or, you know, passable, then you, you're not going to make a change in your life. You need you need it to be awful in order for you to go right. You know what? Well, actually, uh, things really have to change. If things are if things are good, then that's fine. But, you know, if you if you were just going along and just having a few a few pints here and there and, you know, everything like that, and still kind of having your bad days. But you're like, you know, what, I'm, I'm kind of OK. Then you probably you, like, like I said, you 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 wouldn't have achieved everything you've achieved. But because you hit that awful point or, you know, for me as well, because I hit that awful point, I went, right, actually, everything needs to everything needs to change, you know. And I think I think there, there's there's a certain it sounds really bad to say. And obviously, every, every situation is different as well. You know, I know some situations are far more serious than others, but sometimes there is a little bit of value in kind of hitting rock bottom, I think.
1: Well, that paradox you mentioned there, I think certainly in terms of addiction, in my experience, has been exactly that. Um, I mean, I, I've had a lot of comments in recent years from people mm-hmm. reaching out, I suppose, in terms of ways they can perhaps help help a loved one or help their partners. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't, I don't, can't speak in terms of drug addictions in various bits that way, but. Certainly from the alcohol side. And it's it's very much something that required me to hit that rock bottom to be able to really wake up from that 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 curse and that sort of clasp that it had on you. Hmm. And it's very difficult to hear, I suppose, as people from the loved ones from the outside to to realise that these ultimatums and these, you know showings of of sort of um, you know, it's love and interference, you know, aren't going to be the ones that are going to break out the cycles, it has to come from the individual. Yeah. And that quite often is at that rock bottom moment. But as you rightly said, different situations um, have, have different sort of solutions. But for the most part, I found that has been the case. But for me, it was exactly that, though. It was very much something that it, it got to that point. I mean, I mentioned those early days in York. I was sort of nineteen twenty at this point. You know, at 21, I had a big moment where uh, I'd come home on a particularly heavy night. I had a lot of friends visit me in York for, for some celebrations from a, the, for the milestone birthday. And as they sort of went home one by one, Quite quickly, I realised sort of how alone I was in this city, you know, really just getting by. And, and, and I just cracked. So really, it was a chink in the armour for the first time. I've been silent now since about 13. Now mm-hmm. sort of 21. And really, in the early hours, you know, not recalling the phone call at all, but I, I called home in the end. and I rang home on a pay phone. I, I didn't have a phone at the time. I was quite nomadic. I didn't really like to be contacted or interfered with in terms of the lifestyle I was on. And I rang home to say one thing and the one thing else was goodbye I had no intention of being here any further I felt as if I couldn't go on anymore and really I'd hit that point that you know I've been trying to get by on this this issue that I've been suffering from you know this what I now know to be sort of a clinical depression hmm. and it I mean, no longer was alcohol providing that escape from me so the you know, one escape I could see was 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 the train tracks near where I lived at home but thankfully that wasn't wasn't the case at the time and I, and I was um, brought back to Cumbria at the time briefly, I did seek some medical help at the time but I wasn't willing to make the change, exactly as we've just mentioned, I wasn't willing for that change at the time I went back to York back in the environment I was in, still working, working pubs, eventually I was sort of managing pubs by the end mm. and spent a sort of um, five years living this this destructive lifestyle, you know, literally drinking myself to oblivion every single night and waking up and starting again each day, I mean, barely barely remembering what
0: was what was occurring hmm. yeah i think that have you seen the it was a social media post and i've seen all this stuff and it's 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 the about a, a plastic bottle of water and it's like at the at the at, at tesco it costs 99p at the airport it costs three pounds at at the you know on a train it costs whatever and it's like it, it's the same bottle of water but where you're putting it is what defines its value um, and I think that's such an important thing. And by the sounds of it, essentially it was your surroundings that was causing you to carry on in this kind of, you know, circling the drain, vicious cycle of, of getting up and doing it. You know, as you said, you kind of went cold home and everything, and then went back to, back to York and it was your surroundings. Do you now, now, obviously that, you know, there was a lot of the internal, internal battle as well. And, you know, as you said, what, what you now know to be, to be clinical depression. Um, what, at what point, I suppose was was there a snap moment where you were like, right, uh, th- things have got to change, or you know, did it happen over a bit of time? Generally, what I've found, and and for me, it was a snap moment. Um, but I'd love to know what it was, what it what it was like for you when you realised, I've I've got things of things fine you know have to change. Exactly the same. Yeah,
1: exactly the same. I think right, looking back at the time, I didn't see them for what they were, but I think there was moments of sort of ultimatums and mm. you know, intervention that went on I didn't see them as that at the time I saw it very much as people just interfering with my life you know I was just sort of like to drink. I was a heavy drinker You know, certain people they, they maybe couldn't put away as much as me therefore they saw it as a bit different a bit unusual but hmm. I, what I could handle what was sort of a daily lifestyle for me but I suppose as well the people I was maybe interacting with at that time perhaps were in similar cycles as well so again that environment aspect but I don't think it was particularly being in that city that, that cools all that sort to a degree, but I think it was could have been anywhere um, I could have gone to. But I think it was just being away from the familiarity of of maybe home and that sort of judgmental eyes from people that you knew. You were allowed to sort of reinvent yourself as the your person you wanted to be individually. And for me, that ended up just being someone that could go through this this destructive sort of existence that I was going through without sort of too much judgment from people I knew in a way. So I was just yeah, worried yeah. that burden on people at all. but. Things began to change um when i found myself in a relationship basically something i'd always longed for i guess meeting sort of, someone that you could share experiences with again perhaps um trying to sort of be that sort of broken piece you know to sort of fix yourself which is sometimes the wrong way of looking at these things but that was something that was a very positive moment in my life um for sure but unfortunately i was already in i was already in one relationship i was in one with alcohol mm-hmm. and then the two sort of coincide so it was a very hidden life, you know. I worked very, very different hours to her. She was more nine to five, Monday to Friday. I was hospitality hours, so special mm-hmm. days off. So we saw each other maybe twice a week, and in between those moments, I was weaving in this lifestyle, knowing when I could literally get, get my heaviest fix, meet my quota, as I called it back then. You know, in between sort of elements of meeting her, and more and more, I was turning up sort of to to sort of these rendezvous, you know, under under the influence more and more. It was starting to get noticed, but was never really seen to the full extent. I, I was someone that could hold my drink very well. I mean, even people close to me didn't really know the the full extent of what I was drinking. I was just always this slightly glazed sort of mm. person, if you will. I got aggressive with alcohol. I wasn't someone who got larry. I just got more and more. I, just, I was docile in a way, really. It, yeah, just...
0: comatose, as you said, essentially. You're you're. Yeah, it, it
1: was absolutely. There was even moments where some of the bars used to go in uh, in the town. I mean, sometimes I'd go in and I was quite fearful of how I'd been because I couldn't remember being in the previous night. Mm. and I'd always be like, okay. And, you know, they'd be there saying, oh, you're absolutely fine. And, you know, you're still saying please and thank you if you drink there. You know, you were falling asleep a bit at the end of the bar, but you were still complimented mm. as they see. So it kind of, as an individual, it was just just getting by these moments. But unfortunately, this relationship at the time, as I say, was, was really getting put under pressure by... By this, what I now was starting to realise was an addiction. Mm. Uh, in the end, I mean, I suppose it caused quite a few arguments back and forth, which just would cause me to really resent her, I suppose, at times, and just go back to the drink every time. It was always a case of running away from from that um, that obstacle in the way. You see, just going straight back to the pub or straight back to sort of silence it all, just going, you know, just just why are you interfering?" Mm. <sighs> Unfortunately, one of those particular occasions, I've gone out on one of those, you know interference run out, so, and, and I would acted unfaithfully to this partner. It was discovered, and rightly so, it was the end of the relationship. Mm. But for me, it was something that just completely cracked cracked my foundations to, to right. its core. I, I, I couldn't comprehend how I'd acted that way and hurt someone that I loved in that way. It was always something that was never, never me wanting to be a burden on others, but also me just individually trying to get by on mm. things and for my actions to then cause such pain to somebody else just made me realize really how far I'd fallen, how deep yeah. I was into this thing now. It was now compromising me as a person. I was now no longer holding those morals I held so sort of strongly. Yeah. At the forefront, they were getting eroded by this substance. <laughs> I was I was I was powerless to it at this point. It was my priority wherever I went, it was my sole focus and mm-hmm. what I was doing. When am I getting that next drink? When are we going for a drink? Where's it just everything so. Friendships, family-wise, you know, there was quite a few that, looking back, there was moments of ultimatum where, again, I mentioned at the start, being, being very thankful to have them still in my life because there was moments mm-hmm. where they maybe were close to walking away, you know, and I didn't see it then. But this 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 relationship breakdown just just literally floored me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was just cold. I remember going back to work the next day. I was on a breakfast shift and my boss looking at me and saying, you're not quite right today. And I just absolutely collapsed on him and was just gone. And I'm not someone that really was very emotional normally. I was, I was just quite, not stern-faced, I guess, but quite, uh, quite stone faced maybe. And um, he said, oh, take, get, take a few minutes outside. Go outside and take a few minutes to yourself. Mm. And I didn't come back for, for about seven hours. I was just sat staring at the wall. I was just there, just staring into existence. And again, a friend of mine came straight out to take on that shift later on, brought a pint glass out, as he would do normally. said, go on, get this down This will sort you out. And I just looked at him and said, "I don't drink anymore, John." You know, and he, he basically almost choked on laughter at the time. Mm-hmm. He said, "I don't drink anymore." He say, "You what?" And, and it was really from that moment. It was the day. It was literally that that day. The moment I just thought, if I'm going to make this change, initially, you know, if I'm honest, trying to win back that partner, I mm. felt as if I had to make that change, and I had to make that change quick. And, and although this isn't something that's medically advisable the levels I was drinking, going cold turkey like that in a snap is is something that every doctor will tell you not to do. Mm. But that wasn't on the forefront of my mind at the time. I guess the soul's
2: yeah.
1: trying to trying to redeem myself, trying to seek this redemption, and trying to put things right. And it quite quickly became apparent to me that if I was going to try and make this change, I couldn't be in this city any longer. Mm. My girlfriend that day, uh, I, I, I vowed to sort of quit alcohol. I was a smoker at the time as well. I threw my last pack of cigarettes in the bin. Um, I packed up my flat. I quit my job. And I was manager at this place at the time, and I I left them sort of completely in the lurch, really, again, out of character, but a necessary decision at the time. Mm. And I brought myself back to Cumbria, and for the first time in my life, I came completely clean with what I've been going through initially on my Facebook page to friends and family of why I had to leave this city, why it was so sudden, Mm. the reasons why I was here, and the the support and the the comments that I got back from this. You know, I'll never forget. It was just mm. literally the, the reason I'm sort of here talking about this now. It was so, so humbling, supportive. And again, fearing that judgment for so long mm. of not wanting to reveal stuff and thinking that the minute you sort of reveal this, that's it. You're going to be labeled as something else or, or weak or not capable of these bits. And it wasn't the case at all. And it's why I'm such an advocate for, for talking about these things now. But that was the real start of me trying to replace alcohol in my life. And and what I decided to do was to try and throw myself into fitness, and it all began in that moment.
0: Well, I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, I mean, what is it about men, us in particular, that that there's something in our heads that makes us feel like a like a burden? What what you've said there, and then and then eventually coming out and things that that's r- remarkably resonant with with what I did as well. Exactly the same thing. Um, only like two two people knew, three people knew what was really going on in, in my head, and then I put the first episode of this podcast out and told the truth, and everyone kind of lost their minds a little bit. So yeah, very much resonates with with what happened to me. But, but I don't want to make it about me at all. But what I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Why why and especially on the journey you you've been on, you know now and everything you've achieved since since that moment you just spoke about. Why why do we as men? always the first our first thought when we're struggling is better not say anything don't want to be a burden or or even worse than being a burden is being a killjoy you know and and that that's the biggest thing we're so worried about being a killjoy about you know we we want to be the lad about we want to walk into the room and everyone be like hey harrison's here you know we're so worried about that not happening that we're willing to essentially feel suicidal for it you know um I'd love to get yeah your your thoughts on it and, and what you've learned and what you've taken from, from that, because it's, it, it's no, it's nothing less than an epidemic in my opinion, you know, men, men not, yeah. not speaking about this for, for fear of, for fear of these reasons.
1: I mean, for, for a start on that, I think it's something that,
0: we're, that undoubtedly we're, we're quite conditioned to,
1: aren't we? Whether, it, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. we see on the television or whether it's, you know, four or five they've gone before us and stuff of, but basically, that stiff upper lip, I guess, and carrying on regardless, and, and and in some formats, I think there's still there's still an need for that in some elements. I think you still have to sometimes, you know, pull 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 up your slacks and and have a go at things. But ultimately, that shouldn't be all the time. It shouldn't be something that we're suffering in silence for. And as you say, sometimes not being able to speak about this in the future because because the worst has happened. And, and I think certainly it's something that is starting to erode in sort of our generations and new generations in terms of people being a lot more open to these things. But again, it's conversations like this. It's you sharing your story, Sandy. It's hopefully how why I share my story. It's not particularly something that has any, any particular aim for me to keep sharing it. It's just that mm. aspect that if one person can take something forward from it then mm. it makes it all worthwhile, it gets promoting that conversation. I mean, even myself with some of my close friends, since I've become so open and, and I guess, known for sharing, you know, my struggles with depression, alcoholism, you know, weight gain, all various bits. There's been conversations I've had with them on private levels that would mm-hmm. never have ever been to the surface beforehand. And I guess it's having that safe space and feeling that there's no judgment there. Mm-hmm. It's hard it, it, for these things. And there never should be. There never should be. But likewise, again, I'm someone that always is an advocate for talking, for sharing, but I'm not necessarily someone that says you have to share publicly. You know, these are things that... These could be private issues that you share with your first loved ones. If you can't do that, you share with work colleagues, you share with medical professionals. Mm. It doesn't be like maybe perhaps we did, of sharing it on a public platform, going out there and owning it. Mm. Because it itself can can bring um, other elements that I don't really speak about quite often. But sometimes being known for your struggles all the time, you carry that when you're walking around as well. I mean, sometimes in the minute you're not having a 100% day, Everyone's going, Oh, you're all right, you're okay in yourself today. I'm going, oh, I'm all right. I'm just you know, I'm just having a bit of a coaster today. I'm not I'm not feeling yeah. down. I'm just I'm just okay. Like can I just
2: be okay? Yeah. So
1: that could be could sometimes be a struggle. Um, or people may be having prefabricated judgment before they meet you because they've read your story, for example. But ultimately, I think it's always something that you should seek um to share these stories and and not not be worried about the repercussions of doing so.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really valid point as well, what what you've said that you know, the pe- people that do suffer with you know depression, anxiety, things like that. You know, largely it, it is difficult, but it's they they don't feel like that twenty four or seven. You know, every minute of every day. And and it's funny you say that. I've had exactly the same thing. You know, uh, whether I've met someone before, it's someone I haven't spoken to for a while, and they kind of approach me with sort of, you know, try and wrap me in bubble wrap, and I'm like, no, I'm okay. Like all I'm. You know, I'm just making a point of talking about this. I don't necessarily feel about it right now. You know, sometimes I'm like, actually, I'm I'm doing pretty good at the moment. And it, it, it's frustrating because sometimes it, it can kind of take you back there a little bit. And you're like, no, I don't, you know, and, and I've, you know, I hate to hate to air it on here. But, you know, I've, I've had a couple of, you know, instances where I've been in a really great mood. And then, you know, someone's come up to me and almost treated me as if I'm some sort of therapist because I talk about this. And I'm like, I'm I'm no therapist, I'm no expert or anything. All I'm doing is talking about shit that's happened to me, you know. And I I, I imagine it must have happened, this you know must have happened to you as well. And of course, I'm happy to sit there and things, but it kind of happens. And I'm like, right, my evening's over now, you know. I'm like, I'm it, it's just pulled, you know. Sadly, it's just taken me out of wherever I am, and you know, it it kind of does put put you back into that that sort of that sort of brain a little bit. And it's 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 a tough it's a tough balancing act. Um, but yeah, I think going going from zero to a hundred is definitely not not necessarily for it for everyone. Um and, and as I said, for for me it wasn't I didn't go straight away and go, right, I'm I'm recording a podcast and put that out. You know, I'd I'd already by this point, you know, my my partner knew, a couple of my very good friends knew and 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 then I was like, right, cool. Now I now I feel ready enough. You know, I'd I'd already sought the support of a few close friends and family to go you're not a burden we you know we still love you even if you're sad and you feel like this and you you definitely you know belong here and deserve a seat at the table you know that was a huge thing that i i kind of was struggling with um yeah it's it it, it's tough it's a difficult um you know balancing act um tell me about where so you because it sounds like you almost did a complete u-turn from smoking drinking you know we'll, we'll get onto the weight loss stuff in a bit because that's a huge subject um but you know going going into you know the fitness and and i guess that started with with hiking with you being being up there um how how are those sort of first first experiences and then when did you suddenly decide to go do you know what i'm gonna like as you said at the start start taking your extravagant packed lunches up there with you and your and your stove and your hobs and things
1: just on that previous book before i start I, yeah of course i, I do I, I know it comes from a place a place of love any sort of maybe friends or people are asking me that sort of thing it's it's always something that i know is coming from a very good place with people asking how you are it was just something that sometimes yeah you become known i suppose and labelled, and again you own that sort of thing but it's part and parcel part and parcel exactly yeah you can have you can have by having those conversations publicly far outweighs any any little bits that might be little niggles it's quite comical in a way i find the alcohols say i get that quite often with people there going you know almost footing around you sort of going oh don't, don't let him see the drink or don't let him this or show <laughs> you honestly it's fine you I know mean, even my mum does it where she'll go oh do you, do you mind if I have a glass of wine I say, well, <laughs> do, you mind if, do you mind if I have a chocolate bar like it's the same. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not no longer part of my life it doesn't mean it shouldn't be part of anybody else's. yeah quite, yeah you know, place of love it's people just trying to you know be polite and I very really much appreciate that so I just wanted to get that out there uh, before I get any
0: you no, know, and harbour judgment myself
1: you know still fearing that judgment
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's absolutely true yeah yeah maybe i come across as a bit of an ungrateful little shit so i apologize for that but yeah no it's no, yeah, no, no it's, not it's, it's not definitely sure, yeah sure. and 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 the biggest positive i've found for for me is is something you mentioned as well in that actually the minute um the minute i kind of uh came out and 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 sort of spoke about my thing and my my struggles and stuff i had people just come out of the woodwork you know i had a few friends go oh yeah i'm on I'm on medication. I'm on you know, antidepressants. I'm on this. And I'm like, in my head, I was like kicking myself. I'm like, I've known some of you boys for 10 years. I'm like, why have we not done this? Why, why, why are we not all sat around and, and, and spoken about it? And I don't just attribute it to, to myself, but now my, my, my friendship group of boys, like we, there is no thing, nothing that there's not, you know, that is off the table in terms of talking about you know, I'm not saying we sit there and check in on each other every day and things. And it's, you know, it's still kind of gruff sort of, you know, lads banter and things. But there's just that undercurrent now of we all know, you know, if someone's struggling and things, it's like we're, we're here for it and we're here to talk about it. You know, and, and it's awesome. yeah. And it's it. I've got to say it's it's wonderful. It's great to it's great to know that that's there. And sadly, I think a lot of male friendship groups, you know, it is just the, the banter and the things like that. And, and you know, the alcohol. And and sadly I think they don't know. They're like, if I was to say, Look, boys, I'm feeling pretty depressed and this and that, can we talk about it? They worry that all their mates would go, Nah, mate, fuck that. That sounds that sounds boring, you know. Um, so yeah, any any lads out there, talk talk to your mates about this stuff. It's important. You know? Um anyway, sorry. We we went very much on a tangent there. I did ask you a question, Harrison, about uh about about Good man, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Take take, take it Don't away. Talk, talk talk me through all that. I've got so I, I, for a bit of context, I'm from the Highlands of Scotland. That's where I that's where I'm from, and that's where I grew up and things. And I've I've got a bit of a there's a bit of a joke of people my sort of age. So I'm 31. As soon as people hit around sort of 26, 27 in Scotland, they suddenly stop going to pubs and just start walking up hills. <laughs> and and it's and and it's funny. And I do I, I poke fun at it. But then, I, you know, I've been up to Scotland and walked up a couple of hills and I'm like, oh, I think I get it. I think I get it. This is great. You know. Um, you, you do see
1: it, don't you? You do see it, I suppose. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I could say the same, I guess, in terms of various bits. They were something that was on my doorstep for so long that was just neglected. And again, that yeah. weak and worry mentality is a very different one to what it was in the past.
2: And
1: yeah, for sure, it was something that really um, quite quickly, I, there's such a huge void left in my life from alcohol. It had to be filled with something. And Again, I was quite overweight at the time as well. I've lived a very lethargic lifestyle. So this whole sort of change I was trying to go through, throwing myself into fitness, felt like the thing I had to do. So initially it was just um, getting my old bike out the shed. I was sort of cycling that around my local area. So again, it was really rude to my childhood in a way. You know, bits and walks there. I had friends turning up, taking me on various activities that didn't involve booze. And one particular friend turned on my, on my doorstep and said, we're going for a hike and I knew nothing what to expect at the time. I literally you know, didn't have the equipment. I'd never really been out in the hills before so I just grabbed what I had to hand. It was an old pair of scabby Lonsdale trainers and a pair of swim shorts and a uh, jumper right away down the pub on the Friday. And it, <laughs> he just took one look at me and said, you know, you can't go like that. Stay here. And uh we drove sort of down to the Lake District from up near where I'm from and uh, there was a big outdoor store there that he pulled off at and uh, he got me this pair of boots off the, off the shelf and bought them on the counter and bought me these boots and it was just a huge show of faith and a huge show of support again from a close friend because at the time as well, it wasn't really spoken about uh, for myself. But I, I was penniless. I, I had no money at the time. I'd racked up so much debt. I'd blown through all this inheritance down my neck. You know, I was paying the last of my rent off. I'd just left my job overnight. And you know, there's no contingency to this. Mm. You know, I was someone that lived very much day to day anyway and sort of skimping where I could, money from various people that are new friends and punters in the pub and all of that sort of show of faith. Although it was a a you know, bold standard pair of boots was something that really ca- sort of catapulted this whole journey. But, um, I wasn't too thankful about it, uh, half an hour later when he pulled up at the base of Kafra, one of the higher mountains in the Lake District, mind, and uh, basically frog marched me up to the summit. So it was very much a baptism of fire. Here's me two weeks off the, off the booze uh, for, for six and a half years, you know, and off the fags, you know, struggling with, a uh, struggling with my waist- waistline. And, um uh, all of a sudden basically blowing out my ass, going up this hillside. <laughs> Staring at my feet, don't recall too much of the actual journey, but upon reaching that summit. you know barely had a chance to take a breath. And he just said, right, we're doing Helvellyn next week. So again, one of the higher mountains, now yeah. 950 mountain. So one of the ones that would be classified as a proper, a proper mountain in your neck of the woods, you not know, like some of them down here. Yeah. And um, again, that stone staircase being marched up the side of it, and, it was something that really, it just almost felt like I was going through this this 80s Rocky montage, you know, I was just trying to make this change, and the music was in my head, and I was just trying mm. to push forward, prove that I wasn't this person that I'd now shown that I was, and it was kind of, like, I've got to make this change, and, and push forward, I was so determined to, again, trying to win back that partner at first, but as time had gone on, realising how much this change was for me, and for those who were, mm. were still in life, but heading up this hillside again, it just suddenly felt like a... You know a physical interpretation of what I was going through that sort of uphill struggle, not being able to see the summit, sort of that blind faith of pushing on through, you know, struggling through the pain, but really getting that reward on the other side of still pushing through, battling through those darker days. And I was rewarded with this fantastic summit view at the top, this glorious blue skies, the ridge line heading there, the tarns below. And like you just said, then it was just so that something clicked, something just sung in me, like a new addiction being ignited. Mm-hmm. And then from there so literally a month later I think we were down in, in Snowdonia doing Snowdon before the end of the year we were up sort of doing Nevis so we'd done sort of the three peaks in the area I was now I'd moved to the lake district itself I was regularly going out doing these hills you know multiple days after work as well and I started to sort of get into running more as well I started running was something that I literally you know couldn't run a bath I'd laugh yeah. at the pub and, run. and before long I was my, my, my boots had been interchanged for trainers and I was out there you know doing 1k to 2k 5K became 10, and then somehow I was convinced to sign up for a marathon. And there we are in May 2017. So it was June 2016 that had this major turnaround. May 2017. I'm at the start of this marathon line, going, you know, what's going on here? Just all of a sudden, this complete switch, right turn in my life. Mm. And people on the outside, I mean, it was it was a huge change for me. But for those that knew me from the outside, it must have been literally, you know, shaking your head and what's going on, (laughs) because all of a sudden it was just you know, pictures of a pint of glass on the bar table. It's all of a sudden selfies on summit tops. And it was just a huge turnaround and shows what was possible in that in that year, space of time. Mm. At that time, a year later, I was a year sober. I hadn't touched any more fags. I'd lost seven stone. Wow. and was now sort of, you know, taking in these mountains and then about to sort of begin this new sort of journey of taking sort of food with me into the fells as well. But an absolutely just monumental change, um, a light switch moment, but, yeah, I couldn't have done it
0: without the support of friends and peers around me. That's for sure. Mm. I love, I love the idea, and it, it sounds, it perhaps sounds a bit cliche, but I will say on the podcast that cl- cliches are cliches for a reason because they're great. Um, but I love, I love the idea that the the mountain was a bit of a a kind of metaphor for your journey a little bit, you know, and 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 struggling, struggling up there, and getting getting to the top and reaching the summit and kind of exhaling and going off, you know. I've kind of, yeah, a bit of a metaphor for that year of your life, I suppose. Well, I know you did it earlier on, but um, yeah, that's, that's epic. It's it's such a, it's such a, such a great story. And it's so good. I I imagine as well, I don't, I've thought about this quite a lot about, about myself and I think I'm fairly lucky in this regard. I don't think I have a very obsessive, addictive personality. I think, and and I'd love to talk to you know a, a psychologist or whoever about this because I, as I said I'm not an expert but I think I get very obsessed with things but I don't really get addicted to them you know I'll I'll get obsessed with an Xbox game but it'll still get to ten thirty at night and I'm like right it's time to go to bed you know I don't I don't sit I I'm not like oh god I can't get off it or you know like I I, I drink a lot of Coke Zero at the moment but I still don't have more than one can a day I love it and you know things like that and for, like in the last year I've got very into Brazilian jiu jitsu. And I'm obsessed with that. But it, it, it it's kind of it's kind of different to to the to the addiction. But I imagine for you, finding, you know, after your issues with alcohol and things like that, finding something else that you can, you know, get, get addicted to and things, and that also you know is giving you a positive benefit rather than a mask must have been just overwhelmingly positive for yourself.
1: Uh, definitely. And it's something that I mean the addictive personality is something that I think more and more I just appreciate really. Yeah. You know, which it does play a part in my life or anything. I But mean, as you say, however it be, you know, some uh, activities or, you know, yeah. games or that sort of way, or biscuits, you know, I can't put them down. It's just, I'm literally just everything. It's just, I can't all or nothing type character. And I think that was again, yeah. similar with the journey I went through. And there was times where, I mean, that I was going to the gym a lot of the time as well. That was something else that I put into my life. So I was both that and the gym. And, that in itself at times became, I thought was a positive vice and a positive, positive outlook. now, you know, having that endorphin hit in a, in a different way without any of those lows that alcohol brought. Mm. You know, it also, sometimes I was, I was heading to the gym sort of, you know, two, three times a day sometimes. And that, that, mm. that again, so I've got a free bit of time now. I'm on edge. I'll go do that again. And it was almost like you've got something itching away in you. So I, I, I sometimes describe it a bit like um how Popeye must feel when he has his can of spinach, you know, yeah. sort of something flowing through you and you just feel it in the, the muscles were all popping up there. And then it was the same when I had, you know, a dragon, a cigarette, it was the same when I had a pint. That It just literally, I could feel it almost pulsing through me. And I find it with a lot of sugar and stuff now as well. But an activity like hiking or exercise is, is again, one of those activities that seems to just gradually build and build and build to that, mm. to that of, of euphoria in a way. Mm. And I think in all of this, I think really what we always seek, especially those with addictive personalities, it's just dopamine you're looking for. Yeah. You just want to be in a way. And you find that in different ways. Alcohol provided that for me at a time, but obviously came with huge repercussions as well. Mm. Some people who take drugs will have similar bits, adrenaline seekers, even those with, with sex and various bits. It's all for that sort of initial rush, that dopamine, that happiness mm. to, get to the next sort of stage. But finding it in a more, I suppose, tangible outlet, like, like sort of exercise,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as we, that, that's really allowed me to sort of stabilise on those fronts. Um, but still managing again. I know we'll get onto food in a moment, but food has been one that you know, both a passion and a crook's. Still one that's a difficult one to to, to battle with in terms of um, quantity in various bits, and that that again, that not being able to sometimes stop and portion control in bits. It's it's always a battle and one that I'm not sure I'll, I'll, I'll get to the full crook's. I mean, yes, I'm sure there's psychologists and various people have their own opinions of, but it's yeah it's one i do find that that leaches into all elements of
0: my life mm. uh, yeah yeah let's get let's get into the food the food fu- the food side of it now because i find that bit very interesting and and again i feel like a bit of a kindred spirit with you as well because it's something i've struggled with all my life basically i'm just a, a gluttonous bastard i just love food so much <laughs> i just can't stop but um do, do you, and and I, before we move on quickly, you, you know, you're mentioning there, you're feeling like, oh, I've got some free time. I'll, I'll kind of go to the gym and things. Do you wonder if that is because you know that you kind of have this love of food and things and you've, you know, part of in your past, you were kind of overweight and what you probably look back and go, God, I was really unhealthy. So then there's almost that, that other bit where you're perhaps potentially going too far the other way. And you know, for for me, I found I will potentially overtrain so that I can overeat, if that makes sense. And I wonder if that's something that you you can speak to as well.
1: I, I very much um, agree with that sort of mantra for sure. I mean, I think more recent years, I mean, I, it's been no training whatsoever, and that's something that I'm trying to get back to now. But mm. for those initial years, that year of change, all the way up until perhaps lockdown, was very much that's that that type of activity. So mm. and. Maybe not always as a guilt a guilt thing. Not always in terms of a guilty what while I was eating. I think just mm-hmm. in terms of you know that feeling you get from being out running and running on those mountain tops, or doing that down the gym and lifting sort of a personal best. That's addictive as well, and getting that mm-hmm. sort of feeling of achievement, which is what which is all it is, and that that hit. Yeah, you know that sort of walking out there feeling better. It's an addictive sensation. So that's more what it was for me. And I think if I had that early on in the day the day had passed by, all of a sudden I was feeling, oh, i could getting a bit itchy again. Hmm. I took myself back there again and it, it was kind of, I mean, yes, maybe too much of a good thing at times, but certainly in that in that frame where um, even when I lost all this way, I wasn't really, I wasn't on a diet or anything. I wasn't, I was eating better food. I was definitely eating fresh produce that I was preparing like myself. Hmm. That's an important element. What I was fueling myself with was maybe better produce than perhaps, Falling in the kebab shop at 4 a.m. But it was a, <laughs> but it wasn't it was never really a, a conscious thought growing up oh, I can't have any of that. I mean I was probably mm. gobbling through a bag of peanut MMs and I sort of every day and then all sorts of bits through the day. So that wasn't a conscious thing. I think it was just very much something that mm. I mean, it was a sensation that I, I craved. So uh,
0: I went back out when I when I suppose was recharged and ready to go again. Mm. And yeah, we're let, let let's get into the food side of things then, because obviously it's now sort of become a crucial part of your job as well you know and and when that starts to blur the line and i've had a couple of um well, i you know i've had chefs on in, in in the past i think i don't know if you know martin the lagom chef um oh yeah. i do know martin yes
1: i do know yeah. martin I
0: mean,
1: he followed me a while ago before he went on this huge rise now yeah yeah
0: he was yeah he he came on the podcast before he was famous um Brilliant. but, but yeah yeah i love martin he's he's great so i I had martin on and this is something we spoke about a lot in in his history as a as a chef and stuff and that you know it led him to then go and you know do all these kind of ultra marathons and things because he realized he was lacking that balance he was lacking that balance you know he was lacking yeah he 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 was lacking the the balance you know he was in the sort of chef industry where you know booze and things like that are very prevalent aren't they you know i've i've worked in in hospitality as a waiter and things and i've seen what the chefs get up to you know they're you know, constantly drinking. And, the, and I know you said you, you weren't a chef, but you must have been privy to it as well. And it, it must be so difficult to find that balance. And you're kind of, I suppose, in that unique situation where you're not a chef, but, you know, still a large part of the career you find yourself in now is around cooking food and, and things like that. And you put up this amazing Instagram post a couple of weeks ago about... um you know, lockdown, and that was difficult for you. And despite all the exercise we've just spoken about, you know, you you potentially you know gained a bit more weight and, and things like that. And it's something you're constantly battling with. Um, yeah, talk talk me through a little bit about that. And, and 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 again, it's it's something I've very much had a a personal experience with. You know, in the last this past month, I've been having to make weight for a jujitsu competition, so I've just had to lose a, a a huge amount of weight. Um, and and it it was been very difficult. I've never wanted food more in my life. Um, but I wonder if you could speak to what it's like because you know that's with the, within a concentrated amount of time, whereas this is your career. Um, so how 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 do you find balance with it, or is that something you're still working on?
1: I think something something I'm still working on. I think it it, it it's really began I suppose back 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 in sort of lockdown this sort of phase. Really, I think losing a lot of my positive outlets again really for the first time since I had got sober. Yeah, you know. With, with, with an event, of course, that you know couldn't be foreseen and literally was one of those that you I know, had to sort of grin and bear it and get through. So it was losing, losing sort of the in aspects. Although I lived in a fantastically green space, you were getting told by a lot of sort of like mountain rescue and various bits in the area not to go in the fells in case things happened, mm. You know, which I completely understood. If I went out there, even though I'm quite capable and quite used to it, but if I did have a slip and break my ankle, someone's going to have to come and get me, and therefore then that was passing yeah. all things on. I could appreciate the sign to it, there was maybe an awesome element of, um, you know, by no means blowing my trumpet, but having a slightly higher profile in the area. Again, if I was then seen in the fells and promoting that sort of lifestyle, that's not something I want to promote on my mm. on channel either. So um, it was something that really, it almost felt like it was off limits. So really these outlets had built up as as a means of escape from the previous lifestyle were now, we're now gone. And I was still working during the lockdown as well. I worked for a, um, a local company. I was like the e-commerce manager, so for anyone working in sort of shipping and sort of deliveries at that time of year, it went absolutely bananas. So mm. in imagine that front, it was quite a small business, so all of a sudden, you know, my daily hours were probably going up sort of, you know, in excess of 14 hours a day. It was just right. plus, seven days a week. So quickly, there wasn't the room for any of that sort of element and I It was just going to work. It was a very stressful period. There was lots of sort of external news going on all the time, and I just, I suppose, was coming back home, opening my laptop, carrying on work at home, I'm just eating crap. I was just going back to sort of, you know, just, just pizzas from the shop all the time, bags of sweets, and I wasn't doing anything anymore. I wasn't I wasn't going out. I wasn't hiking. I wasn't going to the gym. And I couldn't get into this whole workout phase either. Just for me, it's always, I suppose I struggle with environments sometimes in terms of what they become associated with. Mm. So I think getting out of that environment with different elements to do something has always helped me achieve mm. thing. Um, I suppose a new battle now going freelance and doing a lot of homeworking, but but (laughs) we will get into that one. But things all began to sort of fall apart. And whilst, you know, it felt as if I was really gunning things at work and trying to keep this business going as well, for for colleagues who were all furloughed and stuff, you really felt as if you were on that sort of line of trying to keep things on the go, pressure, trying to keep things flowing, keep the country flowing. There was lots of things going on, and it's a difficult one to talk about because... I was still in a position of privilege. You know, there was people mm-hmm. that were stuck in, in high-rise buildings in the cities. There was people over the world that didn't have access to these things. And who am I to get, you know, low on these things or to struggle with? You know, really, I had it all right. I was in quite an area of green space that was no one was visiting, so it was absolutely glorious. The wildlife mm-hmm. returned to the streets, but you just felt as if you weren't allowed to go out. And even heading like out your front door, it felt like you were getting shocked in by by neighbours and other bits. Mm-hmm. You know. To- to a twitching, why is he out? Who's he? He's been out half an hour and that rubbish of one Michael Gove interview that was never even gospel, but everyone took it as gospel. Mm. Half an hour, and it just all got in my psyche and I just didn't go out, so I became quite reclusive. Um, I was going to work all the time and literally I fell back on food, I guess, as, as an outlet. Mm. and That was my, I suppose, stress relief was back on food. So, unfortunately, I guess that meant a lot of weight got put back on again and come out and up the other side to that. Of course, routines didn't quite fall back into pattern straight away. Work was too very busy. So, again, things didn't settle. Everyone else was coming out having almost a, a funny phase of going, oh, we're back to work now. This is unusual. And you're sort of there, burned out, sort of <laughs> yeah. at the end, to yeah. so carry on. And by that point, I suppose I'd I've, I've lost the routine I'd fought so hardly to build previously. So, mm. and then throw another year into the mix of it being another really busy year for my day job but also things started opening up, up again for other opportunities in my sort of my, my fell foodie aspects where yeah. I've really started to take off and a lot more things going on there and some media opportunities and, you know, it ends up sort of having on the television and various bits there and having some great talks around the country and, and got to this point where I, I couldn't do both of these activities together. So I had to make the choice and felt as if i back myself whilst both, both had really gone upwards in upwards trajectory. But trying to sort of go, go for my own avenue and try and, um, make a go of it but then I was jumping into this new routine again now now freelance now sort of no routine really mm. whilst if I if I'd be able to start that where I was before lockdown I think I'd have been in a much healthier position but I was almost stumbling into this new this new lifestyle and now I had no structure uh, I wasn't going to the gym I wasn't regularly going out in the hills anymore but I was suddenly trying to build a business where all of a sudden you sat doing loads of admin indoors all the time just sort of things piling up on you and then in the car all the time driving about the place for all these talks and i was just eating rubbish in the car so mm. you see know, on that post i mentioned where again that you look in the mirror again one day and they go what the hell how have i let this happen mm. I'm, I'm back to where i was I, I was back up to about 20 stone at one point you know 22 stone in my heaviest in the past but i put another five stone again and i'm just going why have you let this happen you know how mm. you know, was the first time but again you've got to give yourself some 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 leeway sometimes it was a very stressful period i guess maybe not stressful in 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 the in the immediate, but what was going on around you Hmm. very new situation so there have been many many i'm sure either listening here or or not that have gone through a similar phase of leaning on elements like food or again maybe even alcohol during lockdowns and and i think you have to cut yourself some slack somewhat but yeah, it is a struggle on that front. And again, now cooking food a lot and being that sort of element too. I'm always trying to prepare nice elements of mm. food. But then I sometimes wonder with some of these creators. I mean, Martin's a good example, I guess. I know he's got his family there for that one, but there's some of these fantastic barbecue chefs that I follow. A few friends in the in the in the sort of scene, um Jim from only slagging and um you know, the smoking elf that I follow, and they're always cooking these fantastic feasts up on this big barbecue unit. And I'm there going, Who's eating all this? You know, yeah. who, who, I'm the same. Who, and they're getting stuff posted like every day or twice a day. And I'm just there thinking, if that was me, I'd be the size of my I just couldn't yeah. do it. So you've almost got to cook water and then, sort of wait a while, which maybe it's a good thing where I generally go in the hills and walk up the hills first before I cook. So you've almost uh maybe you've been, you've a bit, but it's it is a battle on that sort of front. Um and yeah, one that one that I suppose I'm not really on top of, but I think I'm slowly building routine up again and owning those Mm. things sometimes. When I usually get to a point of wanting to talk about them, I've usually already gone past the point of assessing it in my head. So, out there again, you know, it was another one of those that I suppose body body dysmorphia is quite a big one in sort of of genders and various spirits, but again, very much something that blokes go through as well. So, yeah, it's a yo yo, -er, I think would be the title, but hopefully. Back to the gym now back in the hills trying to build that routine back into a freelance life and, and not being too hard on yourself but yeah the journey continues
0: i think so yeah and I, I think that's a really good point you just touched on there is that there's so much talk these days about you know the the body dysmorphia and, and even just sort of the the body confidence movement and 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 all the controversies and and opinions around that and and generally i find an awful lot of it is centered around you know women and things and obviously they've had the shit thrown at them for so long about the way they look. So I don't, you know, I'm, I'm very much an advocate for it and things like that, but equally, I think there's still this issue for men as well of, you know, we, we, I think we've come a certain way for women, um, you know, where it's, there, there's a lot, you know, more acceptance, I suppose, but for men, it's very much still, you look at every magazine cover and it's like everyone has washboard abs and a six pack. And if you don't look like that, if you don't look like Thor, from the Avengers, you're you're kind of a failure. You know, you kind of you're kind of not you're undesirable essentially. You know? And it's I think it's quite a tough pill for a lot of men to follow to the point where they go the other way and they're like, you know what, I don't give a fuck about this. So I'm gonna sit and eat, you know, Haribo and I'm gonna go and drink all the beers because it's never you know, it's never gonna happen anyway. And then it, it kind of goes to that vicious vicious circle, you know, of doing it because it takes so long and so much work to get to that point. And actually, it's not, it's not about that. You know, it's about finding, finding a balance for you where you feel, you know, you can potentially look good in the mirror and go, yeah, I look pretty good. You know, finding that bit of confidence, but also where you don't have to dedicate your life to it, to the detriment of every other aspect of your, of your life, essentially. You know, I think it's. It's how uh, it makes you feel I'm, as
1: well for me. It's yeah. how it makes you feel. Cause I mean, that, that's, I think one thing I mentioned in that post that I did do was kind of, again, uh, definitely an advocate for these body positivity movements and fantastic yeah. that people you know should be feeling confident in how they look and always in elements but for me I, I always talk personally I just always talk about how I feel with these bits and yeah. for me whenever i carry carried extra weight I noticed the effect so much
2: here
1: yeah. it's it affects everything whether it's sort of, you know the lethargic style again the insecurities come back and not necessarily the depression I certainly don't think I've gone back to the roots I have been I mean yes mm. that's, that's a that's a constant battle but i don't feel as if i've gone back to the deep deep sort of dark periods i've been in in the past mm. you know little little twangs but it's just been everything else it just leeches onto all that elements of, of your psyche and just become grumpy a bit irritable a bit more introverted and insecure at events and again almost cancelling on maybe meetings with friends and bits because i don't, I don't feel as if i'm you know comfortable in my clothes and so when i'm going out in you know, mm. there are elements that i suppose that that for me that extra weight carries it not so much it was I was fine I'm still going up the hills you know I'm still heading up there so it wasn't the case of it's not stopping me doing my life mm. but it has such a bigger effect on on actually not just physical health but my mental health with weight which I don't think that's often spoke about with weight gain really um, mm. but again slippery cycle where you don't feel good about yourself therefore you stress eat more so it's it's kind of just yeah it's it's knowing which which way to go but I am thankful in those periods of course that. You know, I could quite easily have fell back on booze at that time, and um, yeah. it was some like, the cravings were strong. There was moments there, and one of the aspects I perhaps do do miss uh, without calling mean, People often ask, you know, do you miss it or do you or would you go back and stuff. And I don't think I can ever say never because you know, I can't see the future. But for me, it hasn't got a place in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. The risk is worth it, even just trying to have one again. For me, I'm just I'm, I'm much better place without it in my life. However. I do sometimes miss that sensation where you could just shut off and just yeah. actually escape and have a silent moment for a while. Whereas without that, you, you're always present, and being yeah. present means, for the best bits, you're also present for the worst bits, and it's kind of a more a more steady wave rather than you know gushes and troughs. But it's one that sometimes can can yeah be a burden to carry as well. But yeah, thankful I didn't fall back on on yeah. during
0: that period no that's brilliant and i love that that's such a that's such a good way of saying it you know people talk so much about staying present and how important it is and things like that but there is a net you know part part of staying present is is sitting there with your feelings and if you're feeling shit you you still have to sit there with that feeling you know um and i think ultimately i think that's that that is is still always going to be a better outcome than than masking the pain with something like alcohol or any other any other particular vices um do you do you find you know now that the you know fell foodie you know is 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 harrison and harrison is fell foodie and you're you know walking up hills and you're you're cooking and you're you're doing all this stuff do you still manage to find time to do that for harrison or do you find yourself only ever really doing that for fell foodie if if that makes sense
1: yeah i suppose it's one i'm still i'm still finding the right um the right balance, field, I guess, in yeah. that sort because of, I think again that can be it's a different conversation altogether. This from Sandy, I suppose, about social media and stuff. But it can also yeah. be, suppose, being a, maybe a creator in that sort of way. That can be something mm. that leads to your psyche as well. And you're always thinking, oh, I could be doing something here. Yeah, with a stove out once for a cook, and it's a lovely sort of quite still moment on the top. So I'm going, I should have bought the stove. Should have been cooking. I should have made mm. something. And so that comes into it as well. Or well, maybe even again back to that situation mentioned before about people always asking how you are. Again, I now find that if I go for a walk and I don't make anything to eat for everyone, then all of a sudden I'm letting i have let them down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Coming for that food now. I'd, you know,
0: I'd that, feel let down. I'd feel let down. That's to just, tongue in cheek. just tongue in cheek.
1: But <laughs> you sometimes you know you take the jokes then you think sometimes I just want to go out just have a bit of a plod about or just have yeah. a bit of a pace. I don't want to be going out cooking, you know, you know, a beef cassoulet on the top. But it's um <laughs> anyone for that setup but it's um, still finding that balance and i think sometimes maybe to sort of have a a digital shut off on that sort of frontage and yeah i think it's important tell us what they were back then
0: yeah i think it's important you know especially for you to look back and you know with the story you've told you know clearly that was the time where you know potentially you found this new discovery and this new obsession i think it's important to to take time for for harrison as well as for the for the fell foodie to, to go and do it. But yeah, I'd, I'd be disappointed if you didn't bring snacks. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> just, just quickly before we finish, I mentioned it at the very start and we, we haven't actually spoken about it and it's, it's, it, it's a big thing and it comes up a lot in, you know, conversations around sort of mental health and, and well being and stuff. And I think for, for good reason, um, and that is, you know, sort of impos- imposter syndrome, um, and, and how, how you kind of deal with that, whether, whether you get it at all, um, you know, and, and how you deal with, you know going from what what you were and and everything that's happened to to now you know what what you're building now you know being on tv with mary berry and you know <clears throat> doing all the work with all the awesome brands that you work with and and turning this into into something amazing um how, how how does that how does that internal conversation in your mind go when you you know do you ever actually take stock of what you've achieved or are you like no i need to i suppose try and stay present otherwise it may be a bit overwhelming
1: yeah, it's, it's something that came up the other day, actually, with, with, with a friend of mine in terms of, you know, looking back sometimes and actually almost patting yourself on the back for where you've yeah. come from. I'm not very good at that. I think I'm, I'm usually very self-critical still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of self-pressured on certain environments. And sometimes if I don't achieve these these elements that are often unachievable, then that's me, you know, going on a downer because of it sort of. It's it's Again, another constant cycle and one that I suppose you, you sort of learn to live with in various bits. But... Um, on that sort of frontage, it, it's imposter syndrome is very much a part of it, very much a part of it. And I think one that um I'm aware of, one that I've spoken about as well at times, but one that I don't let it stop me in these situations though. I just I tend to sort of throw myself in. I think so often it comes from a place that for a lot of this 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 lifestyle and these elements, it, it's all so new. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know anything about it. I don't unlike yeah. when you you almost have that sort of mentor aspect, I guess, and you sort of yeah. taught the job, taught how to work somewhere. In this sort of freelance aspect, so in this new world, in this media world as well, it's all new. I mean, where, where, where do you learn from? The only way you learn is by doing half the time. And a lot of this as well, it's just, a lot of the public speaking I do in various bits talking out there. Each time you go out there, I mean, there's elements of nerves to a degree, but I mean, nothing, nothing that's sort of stopping you, but you just never know what you're going to be hit with of or what you're going to be asked afterwards or again if if the person who's booked you they have had somebody else booked and they didn't you didn't quite do it the way they were expecting you. all these bits that mm. there's so much variation to what you're delivering that undoubtedly it comes into your head of going you know is that is that what was wanted is that what was am i in the right position here what am i doing here um and I, I don't feel like i'm an expert on anything either which i think it's difficult where you hear a lot of people go out there and talk and you know, They're the expert on this, or the expert on you know, birds, or the expert on, <laughs> on cookies. So, and I'm just, I'm just me, I'm just learning as I go, sharing my tale quite honestly. You know, the struggles I go through, I don't feel as if I'm ever one of those people a guru that's mm. out there telling you if your life this way, and I've done it, so you can too. I, I don't, I don't fall into that category, and I don't really endorse that category either. I think we're always. I, I'm one step away from being back to where I was at the times with, with drink or falling back to the way, so I shouldn't be on a pedestal in any aspects.
2: Mm.
1: When you're up on these sort of elements to, to tell your story, especially if it's in front of a panel or if it's on the media, various bits, there is, there is a question of why me sometimes. Mm. Why me? What, 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 what have I done to deserve to get to this point? And, yeah, whether that needs sort of verification sometimes for other outlets or whether that just needs to be me being maybe more respectful of where I've come from. Uh, it's a tough one, tough one, but with that sort of self-critical nature, I think it's something that will always be, mm. always be there. It's very, it's very nice though, don't get me wrong, it's very nice to be, to be in these opportunities and of course it's very you know, nice to be in the conversations I by no means sort of say those elements and again, appreciate yeah, the, to be able to even try and do this and to work mm. with some of these brands and to have the chances to do so. I think it all boils down, I guess, to just trying to really share me. Mm. Where I've come from, where I'm going. That's all it boils down to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well I think I think the looking looking for the verification of why you should be there is, you know, the verification is you're there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They you know they wouldn't they wouldn't have <laughs> invited you if they didn't want you to. You know, it's and it, it, it's something I very much struggle with as well. You know, I've uh I've done I do some I do some work for a a, a tour. I'm a commentator for, for um, a windsurfing tour with uh, windsurfing a sport I did for years and things like that. So yeah, I do that. And, and speaking, and, and I had a similar thing, my first event, you know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not that good. I've never competed on the world tour. Who am I to be sat there talking about this? And then my girlfriend was kind of like, well, y- you were invited. They asked you, you know, and it's kind of, and then, and then that that's kind of a way I've dealt with it in the past. I'm like, you know, well, my my reason to be there is because I'm there I've been invited to it so therefore people other people even if they don't say it to my face and that's a difficult thing I think often we're looking for that direct validation you know external validation but actually to me I think true true validation sadly has to come from within and it's a lot harder to find um and actually if you can find that and go oh I, I deserve to be here because I'm here you know and because of someone someone has has looked at what I've done previously and gone this guy's good Let's get them on, you know, and and it's. Yeah. Uh, I think I think for us as well. I watched something really interesting. We're we're British and in particularly Northern, and I think there's always a lot of there's always a lot of well, you're Northern. I'm I'm Scottish. I'm from the real North, Harrison, but we won't say that now. Yes, um, <laughs> um, but you know there is that kind of as you said earlier stiff upper lip, and there is this sense of you know British we don't necessarily celebrate our wins as much as we perhaps do, but we're very quick to point out when someone does win something and deconstruct it a little bit and kind of take the piss out of it. Whereas, you know, um, Americans and things like that are far quicker to celebrate success and things. And sometimes we look at it, we think it's a little bit cringy. Um, And, and perhaps, you know, I I kind of agree, you know, no, no offense to any Americans listening. Um, But, you know, sometimes I think it is, it is difficult. You know, they, they're sort of very quick to, oh, yeah, man, hell yeah. And we're a bit more like, well, no, you know, stay in your lane, mate. But actually, I think there's a certain level of, nah, get out your lane and go and try and do something cool, you know. Um, and and I think, you know, that that's ex- exactly what you've done. You know, I'm sure if you said to you when you were at uni and doing everything, you're like, right, Harrison, in a few years time, you're going to be cooking, cooking food in a field with Mary Berry and walking up hills and, you know, running marathons and stuff. You'd have been like, fuck off, mate, you weirdo. You know, you,
1: I'm, not, I'm not going to be doing absolutely,
0: that. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, you
1: exactly. Comparison. Do you think a lot of it's out there because we've got so much that we can compare ourselves to now online and various people in every, in every sort of element that... Again, a good friend of mine says comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. It's, it, 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 there's so much out there in every aspect. Even when you find yourself in a, in a niche, there's always somebody else who's doing a slightly similar thing that you undoubtedly... Compare yourself to. So I wonder whether it's just having access to a lot more of these things now that that oh,
0: then leeches its yeah. way
2: in.
0: One one hundred percent. I I am constantly on Instagram looking at every other mental health podcast, going, oh, uh, uh, "What are they doing? Why, why should I, I should be doing this?" And oh god, they've had this guest on. Oh, I, I I wish I you know could get this person on and and all this. And if I didn't have access to all those other podcasts and instead put my focus into probably just me and what I'm doing. Um, I think I'd probably be happier for it. I think i'm I think i've I think I've managed to get the balance of carving my own path, and by the sense of it, you absolutely have as well. you know, you're very much staying true to yourself, and you know, I'd never go, oh, well, I need to get this person on this podcast because another person has when actually I don't necessarily have much of an interest in talking to that person. you know um, I like to think i've I've maintained my kind of integrity there, but I definitely do look to you know people other other people in my echo chamber and go oh i wish i was as you know as good as them and 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 things like that you know and it's it's definitely as you said it's a quote i use all the time comparison is the thief of joy and it, it truly is um and it's i think i think it's a work in progress for all of us you know that side of it but i think that definitely plays a huge role into it doesn't it harrison where can people follow you where can people I'm, I'm not saying where can they follow you up a hill please don't tell people where you're going next but um if people want to if people want to unless you've got snacks with them in that case, tell me tell me where you are. But um if people want to see what the fellow foodie gets up to and check out what you what you do, uh, where's the best place for them to find you?
1: Well, I'm available on all sorts of social media platforms, so it's just fell foodie, all one word, and I um or yeah, So My website, fellowfoodie.co.uk. So I'm always willing to finally answer any questions you've got, whether it's the mental health space or the cooking outdoors. Um, yeah, I'm always looking to reply to when it gets back to me. So yeah check out my adventures my recipes and my uh my personal ramblings
0: <laughs> yeah yeah make sure you make sure you check them out he'll make, make you feel very lazy for not being walking walking up hills um yeah you can also follow me on instagram guys uh at the after hours lounge if you like what i'm doing give me a rating and a review on your preferred podcast platform it takes two seconds and it hugely helps me out or you can go to the link in my bio and you can uh buy me uh buy me a coffee on buy me a coffee you can actually give me some of your money i'm still working on the merch site it'll be there one day uh but for now yeah rating and a review uh make sure you check out harrison fell foodie harrison thank you so much for coming on uh it's been a long time coming and i'm i'm stoked we managed to get it together so yeah thank you for being here thank you sam it's been a great chat yeah and uh thank you guys for listening we will see you for the next one